to speak this morning from Genesis chapter 19 and as a springboard really rather than a, totally focusing on it, we're going to be thinking of Genesis 19 and verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. I want to speak on Lot's warning of judgment ignored. The story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is like a great um, traffic light warning in Scripture. It's a warning that, like the, the judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah, a final day of judgment is coming at the end of the world. This is how Scripture uses the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Apostle Peter specifically identifies this story as a type of the greater judgment to come. In 2 Peter 2 verse 6, which reads, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should live ungodly. And ensample is not a word we use anymore, but it means a pattern or a model for imitation. This story of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is a model for imitation, a pattern. In a similar way, Jude, in his very short epistle, highlights the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah as a warning set in Scripture. In Jude, verse 7, it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So we have an example and we have an example from this story. The Lord Jesus himself instructed that the story of Sodom and Gomorrah should be treated as a warning. Like a traffic signal, if you like, saying stop, danger ahead. In Luke 17, Verses 29 and 30 is recorded that Jesus said, but, this, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus, says Jesus, shall it be when the Son of Man shall be revealed. So this morning, all I'm simply going to do is to present uh, to you the gospel truth that we find here in this story. This is a great warning, but it's also a great promise of escape, a great promise of salvation. Well, of course, today, um, the concept of a, of a day of final judgment is mocked at, isn't it, and laughed at by the world. 
And in the 14th verse of chapter 19, uh, we, our text, we read of Lot having been told by the angel that this city that he lived in was going to be destroyed. He urgently evangelized his family members and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to them he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. You see, despite the most earnest pleadings and the direst warnings that he could give, Lot's sons-in-law treated the preacher and treated the preacher's message as a joke. The idea was foolishness to them that Sodom, this city that they had lived in and known for so long, so solid and permanent and unshakable, could be destroyed or so unthinkable uh, as to be a joke. And there, you can imagine them thinking, there is father-in-law. Um, talking like a religious maniac here. He's an extremist. He's a zealot. Look at that silly old man with, the, with his sandwich board on the street saying, that the, with, with the message, the end is nigh. Look at that stupid street preacher um, with his black Bible saying that... Uh, the end is now that there's going to be a final judgment. You see, there's mocking today, isn't there, as we share this message. We seem to the world, on the, for the most part, as one that mocks. But we should not be surprised, we should not be disheartened. The Apostle Peter wrote that, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. But Jesus hasn't come. He said he was coming. It's over 2,000 years now and he's not come where is the promise of his coming? And there's this mocking voice. But you know, your, your job and my job as Christians is to continue like a lot. Even, even if it's our own family, to say, ah, get out, this city's going to be destroyed. Flee. And so, the question for any unbeliever listening to this message because these messages go online as well the question for anyone listening to this is are you going to be like one of, so of Lot's sons-in-law and mock God's gospel or are you going to be like his daughters I won't say his wife because his wife as we'll go on to see changed her mind later on but are you going to take the message of God's warning and God's message of mercy seriously? That's the question that each one has to answer when they are confronted with the truth of God's word. And so I have three 
points that I want to bring out from this story today. The first point is this, that the story of the judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah is a warning about the future destiny of those who reject the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. It's a warning of what will happen to those who reject the gospel. The future destiny of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities of that plain was made very clear, wasn't it, by the angels in verses 12 to 14 of chapter 19. And the, these cities were devoted to destruction by a special divine wrath. And all the inhabitants of the cities were to be destroyed by judgment fire. And this is what happened in verses 24 and 25. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities that and that which grew upon the ground. The Lord rained down burning sulfur and all but a very few souls were saved. Only those that believed in Lot's message were saved. His wife and two daughters were saved. Although as we'll come on to see, his wife backslid and she was destroyed later on. There was a clear warning God's warnings of judgment are almost universally ignored. But in the end, they always come true. God warned, for example, that the world, God warned the world through Noah that there would be a worldwide flood. It didn't happen straight away. But it came to pass. People mocked Noah, didn't they? As he built his ark in, in a dry and arid area of the world with the, the sun beating down every day, here he is building a boat. And you can imagine the people laughing and mocking, saying, you can imagine them saying, another fine day for Noah, another hot day, no sign of rain. But what happened? In the end, Peter writes that God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. God promised a judgment, the world mocked, and the judgment came. The Lord long warned Israel through his prophets and his seers to turn from their wicked ways or to be judged. Elijah and Elisha particularly were used by God to warn Israel of the judgment to come. But they seemed as ones that mocked to the people of Israel. But what happened in the end? Well, in 740 BC, judgment began 
King Paul of Assyria carried into exile the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and brought them, as the scripture says, to Hala and Abor and Hara and to the river Gozan. Twenty years later, the capital of Israel, Samaria, was taken by Shalmanazar V, who forced tribute upon Israel. Israel then refused to pay, and then there was a brutal three-year siege, after which the king of Assyria carried the rest of Israel away into Assyria and placed them by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. Judgment was predicted, judgment came. Jeremiah and others warned Judah, the two tribes in the south, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, that Judah would be taken into exile into Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah literally with tears day after day warned the people of this. But he was mocked, he was despised, he was persecuted. But what happened in the end? Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, laid siege to Jerusalem in 587 or 586, not sure which. And Jerusalem fell. And Zedekiah, the king, was taken captive, killed his children in front of him, they plucked out his eyes and they took him into um, exile into Babylon. And the city was destroyed and the temple was destroyed and all the houses and all but a few peasants were left in Judah to till the land. The rest were taken to Babylon. In his day, the Lord Jesus Christ himself predicted that Jerusalem would be destroyed and that the temple, the second temple built by Herod would be destroyed. And this was used against him in actual fact in his trial. But what happened? In 70 AD, during the first Roman Jewish war, Titus later became an emperor besieged Jerusalem and for, for five months and it was a terrible suffering that went on there with the people. The city was destroyed and the second temple was destroyed. Jesus' prediction came true. You see, we should never mock, these are just some examples in scripture, we should never mock at God's warnings because they always come to pass. They don't always come to pass quickly, but they always come to pass. And Peter wrote, the Apostle Peter wrote that, just like Sodom, these heavens and the earth are now, by the same word, kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There's another prediction of the final judgment now what gives us any confidence that all these previous judgments having come to pass having come to pass that this final prediction 
will not come to pass. future destiny of the, of the cosmos and of this earth in which we live and every inhabitant of this world of unbelieving men and women is set, it's fixed. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, this world is set apart, Peter says, for destruction. And the Bible clearly warns, it couldn't be clearer, that those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus will suffer eternal punishment and, and eternal destruction. Now, I wouldn't choose to speak on these things, but the, this is the message of the Bible. This is, we have an obligation to preach this because this is what's going to happen. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them, that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. What a warning that is. Jude, in verse 7, said, calls this same thing, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. This is the warning of the final destiny of those who reject Jesus Christ. King David in Psalm 11 said, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares and fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest, this shall be the portion of their cup. The book of Revelation speaks of the ungodly having their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so the destruction of the ungodly is clearly defined in the New Testament as human beings in a place of conscious and unending torment and punishment. Now that's not a popular thing to say today, but that's what the Bible teaches. It's an everlasting destruction. On that great day of judgment, Jesus said that, he, that then shall he say unto them on the left, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the Lord Jesus speaking. He's warning of this final judgment to come because he loves sinners and he wants sinners to be saved. And he's saying, this is what will happen if you don't come to me and be saved. And so, this is a clear warning. And Sodom and Gomorrah, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, is a typological judgment of this final judgment to come. And I'm trying today to be as um, urgent with you as Lot was with his family, saying that this city is set to be destroyed, the city of this world. And there's only so much time before it comes. 
And mocking it, making a joke out of it, doesn't change the fact of it. But this is something which God has set in Scripture as something that will happen. We don't know when, but it will happen. The judgment day will come. The second point I want to make is that the story, this story of Sodom and Gomorrah warns us that the final judgment upon the ungodly is fully deserved. It's a righteous judgment. It's fully deserved. You see, like the people of Sodom, and we were all like this outside of Christ, I'm not saying we're any better than anyone else, but like the people of Sodom, without Christ, people live in willful and continuous sin. The Lord had previously told his friend um, Abraham that the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great because their sin is very grievous. He says, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And in the 13th verse of chapter 19, the angels explain that they have been sent to destroy the city because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. What does all that mean? Well, it means this, that the, the sins of the people in these cities provoked God to wrath, to anger, to personal, just and deserving anger. We, never, we rarely think of sin in that way. But sin, although we think we sin against other people, which we do, sin is always in the first place a sin against God. We offend God personally. James in his epistle speaks of, uh, of injustice to others and the cries of the oppressed entering into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. I mean, that's an amazing thought, that the cries of those we hurt, that those who we do injustice to, enter into the very ears of God. He hears. And so what does this mean practically? It means this, that when you and I sin, we sin against God personally. Our sin, in a way, makes a sound which God hears. Our sins in real time are viewed by God. He sees them and the cry of it provokes his holy wrath and anger. And as we sin and sin and sin, we store up wrath against the day of wrath. It's a quote from the Apostle Paul. And God looked upon Sodom and Gomorrah like he looked upon the old world before the flood. He saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's you and I outside of Jesus Christ, my friends. Our hearts are continuously evil and sinful in his sight. 
and the corrupt condition of the people of Sodom is perfectly described in Ezekiel, in actual fact. Um, Ezekiel 16, verses 49 to 50. This is how God um, described the people of Sodom to the prophet Ezekiel. It says, Behold, this was the iniquity of our sister Sodom. And pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. Isn't that a, a perfect description of our country today? Perhaps never has our country, our society, been more like Sodom and Gomorrah than it is today. Particularly in the, in the matter of, in the type of sin for which Sodom was most notorious. You see, when sin has no constraint, it corrupts not only individuals, but it can corrupt a whole society. And perhaps the most terrible example of, of God giving people up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonour their own bodies between themselves, is found in this 19th chapter of Genesis. The two angels we read arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot offered them hospitality. The angels wanted to abide in the street all night. Perhaps they wanted to, to undertake the inspection that they had told Abraham that they would do. But Lot knew what would happen to them if they stayed in the street. And he persuaded them to come into his house and he shut the door. However, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, it says, surrounded the house, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, and they called for Lot to bring the two men out. Of course, they didn't know these men were angels. They were in the form of human beings, of men. And no doubt these angels, appearing as men, would have been handsome-looking men, and using appropriately discreet language that King James says that the crowd wanted to know them. And Lot reprehensibly offers his daughters in exchange. No wonder they had no respect for him, for him later on. And the crowd nearly broke the door down. But the angels pulled Lot back into the house and struck those that were near the door with blindness so that they wearied themselves to find the door, the scripture says. Now, this is an amazing and terrible description of the corruption of sin. A form of sexual immorality which the Apostle Paul describes in Romans 1.27, as likewise the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, 
working that which is unseemly. I'm being very careful, I put this for the children present. You see, this form of immorality was so ingrained in the society of Sodom that in the in chapter 19 it says both old and young compassed the house to do this wicked thing. It was normalised. This form of sexual immorality, which I'm being very careful in the way I'm describing, was part of their culture. It was in the mind of the young so that people from every quarter went along with the crowd to the point where it corrupted the city so much that they wanted to, to rape these men. You see, in the end, sin corrupts absolutely. And what a frightening prospect Sodom is and how near we are to becoming like it. Do you know um, that in England, since, 2000, since April 2019, and this had overwhelming parliamentary backing, all secondary schools are required to teach about sexual orientation and gender identity. And at primary level, all schools must teach about different family types which can include LGBTQ plus families. It's required. You see, even the young now, over time is probably already the case, these things are normalised. And that's how it was in Sodom. It was not thought anything strange. It was part of the sinful corruption. The cry of it, the Bible says, the cry of it, wax and great before the face of the Lord. I wonder what, whatever the Lord must think of us of our country today the cry of, of the sin must be coming before him. Perhaps the most vivid um, aspect of this wickedness is, is in verse 11 of chapter 19 where it says and they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. They were struck blind by the angels, but such was their lust that they continued to try and pound the door down, even though they were blind. Wow. This is a terrible example of what Paul is saying about God giving people up to their own uncleanness. Yes, the final judgment upon the ungodly is fully deserved. And maybe, maybe the worst part of hell, maybe the worst part of hell would be that weary, undying effort to fulfil lusts and desires that can never be fulfilled, that can never be satisfied. Wicked lusts which will drive people mad and, and weary them and they won't be able to find satisfaction because God has given them over. God has finally said, okay, have it your way. 
I, I spoke to you, I gave you all these opportunities, I gave you all these warnings. But you were so insistent, you, 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 you mocked those who, who preached to you, you mocked those who warned you, and you were given chance after chance, and now have it your way. I'll let you do what you want to do. That's the worst punishment of all. It doesn't sound it, does it? But in the end it is. It's the worst thing that God can do to you. Is to give you up to yourself. To no longer give you those warnings. To no longer draw you. And call you. You see. Dear friends, it's a... This story is set in scripture as a traffic light warning. Stop, what are you doing in your life? Think, what's coming ahead? There's a great danger ahead. Finally, the last point is this. That the story of the judgment upon, upon Sodom and Gomorrah is a warning of the need to flee from the wrath to come. It's a warning of the need to flee from the wrath to come. The purpose of Lot warning his family and the purpose of the angels warning Lot in the first place was to bring attention to the way of deliverance. God in his mercy had appointed a merciful way of escape and had provided his servants through his servants Pleadings and overtures of mercy to those who are in danger of destruction. This is what Lot is doing with his sons-in-law. Up, get you out of this place. But he seemed as one that mocked. Christian in, in Pilgrim's Progress, I don't know if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, but Christian lived in a city called the city of destruction. And Christian knows that, that this city in which he lives is about to be burned with fire from heaven for its many sins. And like Lot, he, he tells his family of the need to flee immediately. But his family um, put his earnest earnestness and his, and his earnest demeanour down, as it says, to some frenzy distemper that had got into his head. You see, they thought they came, he came across as one that mocked. And the family put him to bed in the hope, the story says, that sleep might settle his brains. They thought he was crazy. People think we're crazy talking like this. People thought Noah was crazy. They thought Elisha, Elijah, Jeremiah were nuts. But Christian was in his right mind. And you know, in the light of the judgment to come and the warnings in Scripture, the only rational thing to do is to escape, is to flee from the wrath to come. That's not being crazy, that's being rational. Matthew, Mark and Luke, to varying degrees of uh, detail, record Christ's comparison of 
his second coming at the end of the world to two previous judgments in history. We read, we read the text earlier. The two previous judgments were the flood and the judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, shall, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat and they drank and they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus, Jesus says, shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, Jesus is saying, most people ignore the signs and the warnings. They're caught up in the pleasures and in the business of life. And sudden destruction will come upon them. Do you know, the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, they woke up that morning and there was, they looked up, I'm sure they looked up and there was nothing in this unusual in the sky. Verse 23 of chapter 19, it says, The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. The sun rose like every day. It was an ordinary day in Sodom. The shops were open, like every day. The people went to work, the same as every other day. The children played their games like every day. And then, suddenly, the same day, the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from heaven. You see, that's why it's so urgent to flee from the judgment which is set to come. With reference to coming destruction, to the coming destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus tells the Jews, then let that which be in Judea flee into the mountains. The angels tell Lot, his wife and daughters, escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Jesus said in that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, then let him not come down to take it away, and he that is in the field likewise not return back. Flee quickly, flee immediately, do not hesitate, do not turn back to collect things from your old life, Jesus said. Do not even look behind you, the angels say to Lot and his family. Dear friends, this is such a warning for us. 